This is your home of the Oregon Ducks. Up to Brown Jr. Passes off to Smith for the dunk with two hands. And we love to talk about them. With expert interviews, insight, and analysis, this is Quack Attack with Judah Newby. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling on your home of the Oregon Ducks. 1029 and 750 the game. Couple passes, Pritchard back with it, left wing. Swing right to Victor Bailey Jr. Now to Troy Brown Jr. Drives down the right side of the lane, puts up a floater, doesn't go. Sorkin comes up with the board, goes up, and what? Follow strong for Roman Sorkin. Left wing pass to Evans, dribbles it to his right. To Justice, shakes loose from Pritchard, down the lane, a wild runner. In and out, doesn't go. Troy Brown Jr. with the board. In transition, Elijah Brown under the basket with a dunk with two hands. Minute 50. I like Joey Mack getting excited. And he deserved to be. Ducks go down to Arizona and uh, get a split, one with the Sun Devils, and then lose in Tucson in a very competitive game, 90-83 to Arizona. Coming back home and up next for Oregon, three straight home games. Starts this week with a matchup with USC tomorrow night, followed up by UCLA Saturday, and then the Beavers come to town a week from Saturday. So it's going to be a lot of fun for uh, Oregon to return to Matthew Knight Arena and have the Ducks turn the corner. That's the question I'm posing tonight. Has Oregon basketball turned the corner on their 2017-18 to 18 campaign? Or is this simply the positive flip side of an inconsistent but talented team? Uh, we've seen the inconsistency manifest in the non-conference schedule with struggles throughout there, including a home loss to Boise State, struggling with UConn as well, with DePaul even winning that game, uh, and then, of course, losing to the Beavers. Um, pretty convincingly in conference play earlier this year. Now that so that was the negative side of being an inconsistent but talented team. Is this simply the positive side of being an inconsistent or talented team, or is this going to be the turning point that Duck fans point to? Say it was mid-January, going down there and upsetting Bobby Hurley's Arizona State Sun Devils, and that is where the season started to turn around. I'm going to ask that question, one, to myself, but also to Matt Prem, 24-7 Sports. He's going to join the program at about 10 minutes' time. And to you as well, if you'd like to call in and give your thoughts on Oregon basketball, college basketball, sports at large, 503-417-7575. I'm Judah Newby. This is the Quack Attack, and we've got you for the next hour. Chris Partee, my main man behind the glass. You can follow us at 1029 The Game. You can give me a follow as well, at Judah Newby. And uh, talking Oregon Duck Hoops again, Matt Prem coming up at 7. 15. Well, first reviewing that Arizona State win for the Ducks, it's something that they can really hang their hat on. Uh, Roman Sorkin playing a pivotal role, and who would have thought that it would be Roman Sorkin making a big impact in that game coming off the bench? Couple passes, Pritchard back with it, left wing, swing right to Victor Bailey Jr. Now to Troy Brown Jr., drives down the right side of the lane, puts up a floater, doesn't go. Sorkin comes up with the board, goes up, and what? Follow strong for Roman Sorkin. Barely gets into double digits in minutes played, but gets into double digits in terms of scoring as well. And he kept up his scoring in the second half and uh, even down the stretch. So it's always nice when you can get contributions from, you know, places that you weren't expecting. Roman Sorkin certainly qualified. And it was good to see Troy Brown get into the highlights down in Tempe as well. And the Ducks take it away. Troy Brown Jr. in transition. Dogs it. 
And that was a feed from Elijah Brown to Troy Brown, and he slammed it home on a fast break. Always good to see the Ducks being able to run the floor. Left wing pass to Evans. Dribbles it to his right. To Justice. Shakes loose from Pritchard. Down the lane. A wild runner. In and out. Doesn't go. Troy Brown Jr. with the board. In transition, Elijah Brown under the basket with a dunk with two hands. Minute 50. And that's always been a staple of Dana Altman teams. Teams that have been able to have strong perimeter defense and then get up and down the floor when it was needed, be able to push the pace a little bit. And that's kind of, you know, college basketball at its best, in my opinion, is uh, is that teams are so athletic and they those young guys got so much energy and enthusiasm to get up and down the floor that uh, when – when those athletes start getting in the open uh, open floor, they can really do some damage near the rim. This is Dana Ullman. He joined uh, Joey Mack last night on tip-off Tuesday talking about what that Arizona State win did for the program. We needed something to, you know, to spark us a little bit. We hadn't been playing well and uh, hadn't been playing well in a lot of areas. So we needed something good to happen, and uh, that win definitely did help us, no doubt. And how about Roman Sorkin being called upon to make an impact? Roman's been good for our program he's been really good for our team he's one of those guys it's all about the team supports his teammates you know there's been times over the last couple of years where he's got down because he wants to be more involved but um, he always fights through it and you know the, the guys loved his success uh, against Arizona State they mobbed him in the locker room because he's always been there for them and you know it was good to see them you know, all there for, for him that night. Sorkin plays 13 minutes. He scores 13 points. Ducks win by four. You do the math. That's uh, that's big time. Peyton Pritchard, a couple of late free throws to do to ice the win as well. As for two, two days later, the matinee showdown in Tucson with the Arizona Wildcats. Boy, I tell you what, how good is Arizona in terms of just raw talent, what they have? And they're in action right now as well at Cal. Wildcats uh, up by 10 at the half. DeAndre Ayton, their highly touted big man. So skilled for a seven foot one, 240-pounder. I'm not sure if I've seen anybody like it, but this was a really good game. Uh, Ducks were kind of trailing. I mean, they were trailing in the first half and early in the second half as well. And then they fought back, kind of retook the lead late. This is Mikhail McIntosh. Right wing, Victor Bailey Jr. into Paul White in the post. Squares up, a step outside the key. Now backs his man down. Passes to McIntosh. Three ball. Yes! Oregon takes the lead, 58-57. And speaking of the three ball, it wasn't just McIntosh, but Elijah Brown. This lefty can stroke it. Brings it across. He attacks. Blocked by McIntosh. Ducks take it. Pritchard in transition. Elijah Brown, another three ball. Bang! Gives the Ducks the lead. Left wing three from Elijah Brown, Oregon up one. Elijah Brown had so much confidence, almost irrational confidence, but it, he was making stuff. He was throwing it up there, and it was going down for him, do his credit. Um, you know, Dana Altman was also talking about McIntosh and Elijah Brown and just other upperclassmen, seniors in particular, who are, in his mind, kind of feeling the urgency of this point of the season. Mikhail really played uh, hard, very well against Arizona. Um, Elijah hit shots and made some good plays. So, no, it uh, you know, we need those two guys. You know, it's this this is the part of the season where it's all about sense of urgency for seniors and and that. Uh, but our freshmen, uh, you know, weren't ready, you know, for the crowds and 
you know, they everybody raised their game a level, but uh, you know Troy didn't have a, a productive weekend, and, and Kenny struggled at times. So uh, we need those two guys. They're two very talented young men, to, you know, to raise their game like everybody else did. Elijah Brown at Arizona, 25 points in 30 minutes played. He made seven of his 11 shot attempts, including six from downtown, and perfect five of five from the free throw line as well. Speaking of the free throw line, that played a pivotal role in Tucson as well with Arizona going 30 of 34 from the line. I mean, you do that. First of all, you get 34 free throw attempts. I mean, that's a game changer. You make 30 of them, good on you. Good discipline. Um, Arizona and Cal are playing as we speak as well. Arizona with a 10-point lead. We'll talk about that later at 7.30 when we go around the Pac-12. We'll also preview USC and UCLA. Those matchups for Oregon. Those will be coming up in our final segment. USC is tomorrow night. The Bruins will be Saturday night. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in our final segment with our key matchups. New benchmark tonight which I'm really uh, pumped to get to. This is only the third Quack Attack basketball show that we've had of the year, so that's going to be a lot of fun. But, um, you know, for, for Oregon and Arizona, getting that win for Oregon at Arizona State was very big, and I was personally concerned about how Oregon was going to look at Arizona simply because of the tight turnaround. You play late in Tempe. Now, you don't have to go too far to get to Tucson, but you know it's only still 36 hours removed from playing a very physical you know game against the Sun Devils. you got to turn around and take on the Wildcats. I thought Oregon was going to come out flat, to be honest. I thought they were going to lose by double digits, and they proved me wrong. I thought they would lose at Arizona State. I came on the show last week and said that they were going to lose both those games. They proved me wrong. Winning at ASU, you know, competing, and arguably could have slash should have won against Arizona. After all, Oregon had the lead with three minutes left to go in that game against Arizona in McHale Center, which is such a tough place to play. And Oregon competed and went toe-for-toe with the Wildcats, and it was just really impressive to see. And I want to believe in the future of this team for this year. You know, there's been so much talk of uh, discontinuity on the roster, and that's naturally going to happen. But it's it's been a stark contrast in terms of minutes played and who's playing those minutes this year than who was playing those minutes last year for Dana Altman's team. And we talked about the Ken Pomeroy statistic that he uh, published last week that Oregon was bottom 10 in the country in terms of uh, roster continuity with minutes played. And yet, and yet, is there not a case to be made for this team to be dangerous come postseason time? Is there not a case to be made for this team being able to match up with the likes of an Arizona or an Arizona State or UCLA? When we get to the Pac-12 tournament, Dana Altman has shown time and time again an ability to maximize his talent. Going into Las Vegas, Oregon consistently plays well in Las Vegas. Remember last year's showdown with Arizona and Lori Markinen and company and how that went down to the wire. Oregon arguably could have won that game. And just moments before the game, they learned that Chris Boucher was not going to be able to play in that game and how much of a letdown that was. Wildcats win. They win the Pac-12 tournament. Oregon still gets a one seed, plays very, very well, ends up going to their first Final Four ever. They were a three seed. My apologies. They were one seed the year previous to that. But they played a lot better than they did as a one seed the year previous to that and went to their first Final Four. Is there something similar in the cards for a team this year that's much less experienced but has that kind of level of talent and athleticism? And if they piece it all together, especially on defense, then maybe they've got something special in the works. Take our first break. Come back. Matt Preem, 24-7 Sports, joins us on the other side. Get his thoughts on Oregon's trip to the desert and what's facing them in the next couple of weeks at home at Matthew Knight Arena. This is the Quack Attack. I'm Chudanubi, 1029-750 The Game.
They're basically doubling Aiton That's when he's off idea. the ball. That's a good idea. Eliup, oh, what a play! Threw it down with one hand That's and one motion. Idea. That's a good idea, too. No one else in four years. That's dominance, as is that. DeAndre Ayton, who, in not too long, he'll be a one-name player. The one and only Bill Walton alongside Dave Pash had the call in Tucson when Oregon fell to Arizona 90-83. But what a competitive ball game that was. Let's go to the lines right now. Welcome back to the Quack Attack on 102.9750 The Game. Judah Newby here with you. And Matt Preem, 24-7 Sports, joins us on the line right now. Matt, good evening. How you doing, man? Good. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Um, let's start, though, with the Ducks' trip to the desert and the victory over Arizona State on Thursday night. Um, I was not convinced that Oregon would be able to go down there and get a victory, even though I thought they matched up better with ASU than they did with Arizona. I just thought ASU would be too tough to handle in their home building. Yet, Oregon disposes that Civil War loss to Oregon State, and they go down to ASU, and they take care of business and pull out a 76-72 upset win over the Sun Devils. What were your takeaways from that win for Oregon? You know, I was with, I was like with you. I didn't think Oregon was going to win, but I'm not sold on Arizona State, especially as a team that's you know, got a high ranking next to them because I'm a big believer in uh, experience being the hunted. You know, I don't think Oregon goes to the final four last year if they didn't go through that elite eight run the year before and have that experience of everyone gunning for them with that, you know, high ranking next to their, their name. And you know, I don't think Arizona state, you know, they've never, they've never been here before. And so I, I felt like Oregon had a chance. I didn't necessarily think they were going to win because of how bad they played in Corvallis and, hearing Dan Altman's comments and seeing his, his reactions after that Civil War loss. But with you, I was with you. I, I thought they matched up well. Um, I, I think they they turned the corner, mo- most importantly, with uh, their veteran players. Elijah Brown, uh, Mikhail McIntosh, uh, Roman Sorkin came in, gave them you know, his best 13 minutes of his Oregon career. Um, Peyton Pritchard, I think, played all but one minute and was f- fantastic on both ends of the court. Uh, Altman praised Pritchard today uh, about that uh, need availability. And I I think we saw kind of the veterans kind of assume that leadership, assume that responsibility, and they made the plays uh, that we've been waiting for them to make, quite honestly. You know, this was a team that you said, okay, going into the year, your three, four most important players are going to be Peyton Pritchard, Elijah Brown, Michael McIntosh, and then you throw in Troy Brown. And while Troy Brown didn't play all that well in the desert, uh, the, the three three vets certainly played really, really well. What What is it about Troy Brown? I'm, I wanted to ask you about him, given his talent ceiling, and yet the production has seemed limited. I don't want to use the word disappointing because it's still right. only January, right? And he's a freshman, and, you know, he could still put this thing together. It's hard to gel with new faces, all those factors, but what are your impressions of Troy and how he's kind of fitting into the college game right now? You know, I think if Troy Brown was putting up the numbers that he's doing right now, which is around, I think 12 or 13 points a game, seven or so rebounds and, you know, three or so assists, you, you put him on Arizona, you, you put him on USC, UCLA, ASU, 
or a, another top 25 team in, in the country, and we're talking about Troy Brown being a lottery pick. He he does a lot of things that doesn't necessarily show up in the box score. He had a huge – yeah, he didn't score a lot of points against the Sun Devils. He struggled uh, in the first half with foul trouble, and, you know, Raleigh Hawkins shut him down offensively uh, down at, the, at Arizona on Saturday. But you know, he had that steal – uh, in a dunk that really kind of shifted all the momentum for Oregon against Arizona State. He had the rebound and the outlet pass down the court for um, Elijah Brown getting the dunk uh, in that second half. Uh, he he had some key rebounds in that Arizona State win. And while he only played, you know, he only scored I think two or three points against Arizona. He played 32 minutes and was was pretty good uh, in defending Raleigh Hawkins on the offensive floor. A guy that averages. I think 16 points a game, and I think Raleigh finished under that average. Um, I think he's a guy that he's he's a first of all he's a better three point shooter than I was expecting. You know that the the scouting report on him was he wasn't the purest of shooters. Uh, a guy that you know did his damage at the rim. Um, I think he's certainly still trying to find his groove offensively. He said today at, at media availability that he feels a lot more comfortable after sitting down with Dan Altman and watching some film and talking with some vets on this team of just kind of where he, he needs to pick his spots and go. Uh, we'll see if that translates this weekend. But, you know, I think this is a guy that does a lot of little things and can sometimes get lost, but he's still a lot, he's still a first round draft pick. Um, a lot of the mocks have him somewhere going from late lottery to, you know, early twenties. And, you know, quite honestly, if, if you're picked in that range or projected to go in that range, you should go. Uh, to the NBA after after whatever year you're in, and for him it's his freshman season. So I look at Troy, and I think, yeah, he's probably not scoring as much last couple of games, but he's still finding ways to make an impact, uh, and that's monumental for this team. Matt Prem joining us on Quack Attack. Follow him on Twitter, at Prem, Mr. 24-7. He is indeed. All right, moving to the Arizona game. And the fact that Oregon, you know, they're up against it. Arizona blows me away with really how talented they are. And, of course, DeAndre right. Ayton is at the top of that list. And how tough they are historically to play in McHale Center. Um, so, given the fact that Oregon battled their way back into this game, Matt, and took the lead in the last 10 minutes and had the lead up until about three minutes left. And that's when, you know, that highlight happened that we played at the top of the segment of, you know, uh, Trier throwing it up and Aiton throwing it down as look, those are great athletes and great basketball players making it a great play. But that did seem to be, you know, the winning play late that seized momentum back for the home team. That being said, seven point defeat, Hard not to feel encouraged if you're a Duck fan watching the Ducks compete the way they did with the Wildcats at McHale Center, no? Yeah, I was more impressed actually with their loss at Arizona than their win at Arizona State because uh, the Wildcats started off the season bad. They, I think they went 3-3 three and three in their first six games. They had three straight losses in the Bahamas tournament. Uh, Sean Miller ripped into them, but they haven't lost since. Uh, I, I think they've won now 11 straight games, and they are by far the Pac-12's best team. And when they're healthy and they're playing at their best, which I feel like they maybe didn't give an A-plus or an A-grade performance against Oregon, but it was probably a B-plus level grade, um, they're still one of the best teams in the country, let alone the Pac-12. and. Like you said, it was ugly at times for Oregon. I think they had a 
a period of five minutes where they didn't score in the first half, and they got down by as many as 13 points. Um, but they found a way to, to come back and tie the game at half. And then, uh, like you said, they, they took a, a four-point lead with about four minutes to go in the game, on, and they had the ball. Uh, and, you know, that's all you can ask for, for for Nate Altman. You know, up four with the ball, four minutes to go, you have a chance to, to beat one of the best teams in the country. And while they didn't do it, you know, it's, it's ironic because their shot selection from their vets kind of killed them down the stretch. Uh, Paul White shot an early uncontested three-pointer that was probably not the best look. Uh, Elijah Brown tried to fire one, and, you know, you, you kind of don't hit him too hard with that one because he was on fire from three, but Oregon kind of panicked a little bit and just had that dry spell of two or three minutes, and then, boom, they were, you know, down six or seven points, and the game was over because they only had 40 seconds to go. But, yeah, they I think they showed a lot more in that one because – and I think they realized to themselves probably that, hey, we could actually be pretty good if, if we play the way Dana Altman wants us. And, you know, that's what they said today at practice. Uh, Dana Altman, you know, I asked him today if he felt like this weekend was a, a turning point. He, he said, we'll see. Uh, it, it depends on how they practice today. He said they had a really good practice yesterday. Uh, Peyton Pritchard said last week, early in the week, the team kind of came together and kind of talked things out and, I don't know if it was necessarily a players-only meeting. I wouldn't go that far. Pritchard did say that, you know, the, the players themselves kind of sat down and, you know, figured, hey, let's let's let's, figure, let's fix this. And, you know, it showed against the Arizona schools. And uh, I think they walk away from that weekend thinking we've got some work to do, but at the same time they're in a position this weekend where they can get two more top 50 RPI wins and, you know, get themselves back in that discussion for the NCAA tournament. You mentioned Peyton Pritchard's role in galvanizing the team, bringing them together, and his on-court development has been pretty special this year, too. You mentioned his effectiveness on both sides of the floor in that Arizona State win, and I noticed the same thing in the Arizona game. The impact that he was making defensively was uh, it was getting me fired up watching it. I mean, he, he was everywhere with active hands, pretty clean defense, and, of course, at the controls at the point guard position. What have you made of Peyton Pritchard's development as a sophomore? Yeah, you know, the first three games of Pac-12 play, he'd struggled. And I, he struggled handily in some, some non-conference games, in particular the PK-80 games. He got torched for 43 points by Trey Young. And at the time, we didn't necessarily think of Trey Young like we do now as the, the, the best player in college basketball. And, you know, people were already dubbing him the next Steph Curry. But, you know, he got torched there against Oklahoma. Um I know coaches were really frustrated during non-conference play with uh, sometimes his willingness to dribble too much and not move the ball. But you're right. This past weekend, he was phenomenal. And uh, I asked Dan Altman if if he's if it's going to take this Oregon team to to win games for him to. I think he only played two or three minutes. Uh, or he, he only sat for two or three minutes. Excuse me, against the Arizona schools combined. And I asked him if that's going to what it's going to take for Oregon to win games and. You know, Altman was very, very high on, on what Pritchard did last week on both ends of the floor, uh, praised his, his leadership. And I think he, you're right. You could see it on TV. You could see it uh, there that he was a guy that, you know, kind of grabbed the reins per se of this team. And I think kind of he was expected to be that vocal guy that, you know, off on the court, off the court. And I don't know if he was necessarily ready for that right away as, as a sophomore because you know, he 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 played a lot last year. He started 
I want to say 36 or 34, 34 games for the Ducks last season. But, you know, he was at times the fourth or, or fifth most important guy on the floor. He was just basically out there, don't mess up. No, don't get in the way of, of, of Jordan Bell and, and Dylan Brooks and Tyler Dorsey and Ennis and Boucher. Um, and so while he, he played a key role, he wasn't, you know, 1A or, or 1B or 1C of that team. And this year it's it's taken him some time. But, you know, this last weekend it seems like he's maybe kind of gotten comfortable in that skin of, of being the go-to leader of, of this of this ball club. And, you know, from someone who spent most of my life in this state, it's pretty cool to see a an in-state guy do it, you know, for, for one of the teams that you cover in, in the state. Uh, it really is. And he's got a couple of intriguing guard matchups this week with uh, Jordan McLaughlin of USC tomorrow night and then Aaron Holiday of UCLA Saturday night. Uh, and then big picture, Matt, what, what are the Ducks looking at with this USC and UCLA week in front of them? How, how are they matching up with the Trojans and Bruins? Well, I think USC is an experienced ball club. They're, they're bigs are very athletic, and, and Benny Boatwright and Chimizi Metu, uh, they've got a lot of experience, and McLaughlin at point four-year starter, he's going to be a handle. He's always kind of given Oregon fits, uh, whether it's been Pritchard or Casey Benson or Joseph Young guarding him uh, the year before that. Uh, so when McLaughlin's going to go off, it's it's the key of getting to the basket, getting fouls. You know, I don't think USC is you know, a, a team that can – withstand a ton of foul trouble their bench is you know when they have to get to the seventh or eighth guy on their bench you see a significant drop off in talent uh and there's also a psychological factor for, for this usc game morgan's won this game 14 straight uh they've won 14 in a row uh you want to get up big and, and kind of just you know have that hanging over this usc trojan team and i'm not i'm not sold on usc being an elite team i know people were preseason calling them a, a final four contender and you know, I go, I go back to my comments about Arizona State. You know, this, this is a team that's never made it out of the second round in a long time of the NCAA tournament. So, you know, why are they all of a sudden going to do it now when they've never had any kind of a winning experience before that? Um, but for the UCLA uh, Bruins, excuse me, I this is a this is a confusing team because on paper they've got you know the second or third best team in the Pac-12, but they don't play very well together at times. They have some dry spurts. They have some mental lapses similar to what Oregon's done. You know, they lost Colorado at home and you know, it was almost wire to wire Colorado's lead. And at one point they had a double digit lead for most of the second half. And you know, the Bruins just were, were, were terrible in it. You know, they've got, they've got depth issues themselves. And, you know, I think this is a huge weekend for Oregon. You know, both teams are for UCLA and USC are ranked inside the NCAA's top 50 of the RPI. And quite honestly, the next seven games, for Oregon's schedule kind of dictates what happens, I think, with Oregon's chances of getting into an NCAA tournament bid or not as an at-large because they've already got the RPI top 25 win over Arizona State. They come back and, you know, say they win these two. Now they've got three top 50 wins to their resume. Colorado's a, almost a top 50 win as well, so that would be four. Uh, but then you've got a, a home game against Oregon State, and then you've got a road swing down to the Bay Area, two teams that Oregon should beat theoretically on paper, and then you come back home and, and you play the Washington schools. And while Washington's a much improved program from a year ago, they're still not better than Oregon. Uh, Washington State's another you know another down season for the for the Cougars. And 
you should theoretically go seven and zero, six and one. And if they stumble a couple times through this stretch, you know it's going to really put them in a hole of, of a either not having any marquee wins or b having some really bad losses on their resume and not enough marquee wins to overcome those. So this is the stretch where Oregon's going to really put themselves in that position because they get Arizona schools again, they get a road swing to to the LA schools, uh, and then a road swing to the Washington schools to close out the season. So if, if they can if they can win six or seven of, the, of these next seven games, I think they're going to put themselves right back in the square of the NCAA tournament for a sixth straight year. I, I'm not going to come out and say they're going to be a three or a four or a five seed. They're probably you know fighting for a ten or, or an eleven or a nine. Uh, but you know, hey, you get in, you get in, and then it's it's just matchups from there. But for Oregon, it's it's going to be decided. I think in the next seven games. Well, you know, Dana Altman's no stranger to making hay in the NCAA tournament as a, a double-digit seed. I mean, he knows how to right. how to maximize. Yeah, he certainly, yeah, he certainly gets the team to swing away. I mean, he he had a, a team of you know three or four years ago of Joe Young and you know Joe, Jordan Bell and uh, Dylan Brooks and Casey Benson when they were all freshmen, and they almost knocked off. Uh, the one seed Wisconsin Badgers in Omaha, yep. just hours away from from Wisconsin. So you know, if, if, that, if that team can can almost knock off a, a number one seed, you know, this team can certainly do some damage because on paper they're the most talented team Dane Altman's ever had. Uh, last couple of things for you, Matt. You've been very generous with your time. You've mentioned uh, you weren't sold on Arizona State. And those feelings were vindicated when they lost at home to Oregon. And they've stumbled multiple times in conference play. Um, you've also said that UCLA is an inconsistent team. You said that you're not sold necessarily on USC. So I, I'm just, you know, it's been a wacky year in college basketball across the board in the country. Yeah. But particularly in the Pac-12. Is there anyone that we can be sold on at this point? Or Arizona. Is, is Arizona. Arizona. The, yeah, they've got to be the only team. And, and below that, it's kind of a crapshoot, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Arizona's the one team I think you can sit here and say that, you know, they're a legitimate, you know, four-seed or better team. I think at the end of the day, they might find themselves a two or a three. Uh, I think they're going to win the Pac-12 by a couple games. Um, Arizona, maybe they, maybe they fix things. But, you know, they should have lost to Oregon State. They were down 13 points at home with, I think, six or seven minutes to go in that game. Uh, and, and Oregon State just kind of crumbled away, and uh, Arizona State won by two. Um, I just, you know, I, I think actually Arizona State's going to lose tonight against Stanford. Yeah. Um, but it, it, and Stanford's a team that's interesting because I, I know I said that, that Oregon should beat them on paper, but you know, they when they're healthy, they actually have – a pretty decent lineup of, of Humphreys and Travis down low, two really good big guys. They've got two really good freshmen, and then Dorian Pickens is a, a a solid player on the wing that can you know defend and shoot corner three. He's kind of a three and D guy, uh, if you want to use an NBA term. Their depth is their biggest issue, um, but you know maybe Stanford kind of. I know Dan Altman's been very high on them for two years, and they've just been derailed by injuries and. They were derailed earlier in the year for injuries, but everyone's healthy now. Maybe they turn the corner. They've won four in a row in the Pac-12. Um, Colorado's another interesting team. You know, they they go to the Oregon schools to open Pac-12 play and lose by, I think, 15 or 20 points in both games, and then they go home and knock off Arizona and knock off Arizona State. And, you know, they've, then this last weekend they, they beat uh, UCLA at UCLA. So, you know, I, Arizona's the only team in the Pac-12 I think you can consistently say is – 
legit and a team that's going to be an NCAA tournament team. Arizona State's going to be an NCAA tournament team unless they just completely crumble and, and, and choke away their season. But I don't I don't buy them yet as a you know four or five seed or better uh, in the NCAA tournament. But after after that, it's it's a mystery. I mean, is UW for real at twelve and four? You know, they're in some NCAA projections for the tournament already. Is Colorado legit? Is is UCLA or Oregon going to figure things out and, and and get themselves into the tournament? You know, and if you're Oregon, you know, spinning it back to a local perspective here, I think you if you're Oregon, you sit here and say, look, we haven't played the best for the first five games of, of, of conference play, and the schedule is all out of whack. You've got Arizona State in the bottom. You've got uh, Stanford, and you've got Washington near the top, you know, things are going to even out a little bit. And we're only a game and a half, two games out from first place of Arizona. We still have them at home. We can still do a lot of damage. So if, if you're Oregon, you have to sit, sit there and say to yourself that you've got an opportunity to make up a lot of ground that starts this weekend with uh, two schools ahead of them and USC and UCLA. You got them going 2-0 this week? Yeah, I think I think they do pretty well against USC. Uh, you know, they're a two-point favorite. I, I, I just – I think Dan Allman's a much better coach than Andy Anfield. I think Oregon's got the similar athletes. Uh, and and the, only, the only thing that USC has is experience uh, playing at the Pac-12 level. But this is a home game. Should be a good crowd. I think they're expecting around 10,000 fans, a little bit more than that, at you know, Massey Night Arena tomorrow night. So, you know, coming off the, the high of – a road split. I think Oregon comes out and wins that one, and they're going to grind out a win against UCLA. 20 minutes of juicy content right there from Matt Prem, 24-7 Sports. Matt, thanks for taking the time, my friends. Good talking to you. Absolutely. Anytime. That is Matt Prem, and uh, appreciate his time here on 102.9750 The Game. Oregon gets USC and UCLA. We'll have the podcast of that coming up later on as well shortly after the show goes off the air so if you missed any part of that follow us on twitter at 1029 the game and at Tudor newbie and uh, we'll get that posted for you on soundcloud great stuff there uh over the clock though chris party looking at me he knows the job gonna go away come back go around the pack 12 and also preview in detail the usc ucla matchups for the ducks this is the quack attack on 1029 750 the game This is Quack Attack with Judah Newby, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling on your home of the Oregon Ducks, 1029 and 750 The Game. Hit it, Beanie. Oh. Little Beanie Seigel never killed nobody. Actually, I don't know that. I don't know the man. I just know his rap. This was in an episode. Yeah, we're not of, too sure about that. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not cool with me and Beanie per se, but uh, this was featured on Ballers, the HBO. I love this song, man. Let's go with the words word allegedly. Yes, Never. allegedly. Gosh, man, you're really growing into that producer's role nicely, Party, supplying me with the vocabulary and the vernacular that fits. This is the Quack Attack on 1029750 The Game. Judah Newby here with you. We just said goodbye to Matt Preem uh, on the phone. That is. Uh, and he gave us 20 minutes of his time talking Ducks Hoops. We are going to post that on SoundCloud, so if you missed any part of that, uh, go ahead and give us a shout, a follow on Twitter at 1029thegame, and you can find it there. Also, I podcast the show every time, every night on 1029thegame.com. Yes, we have a website, and we put a lot of posts up on our Facebook page, too. 
Uh, it's all about, you know, trying to marry our online content with our on-air content. So if you are on Facebook, go follow 1029 The Game. You can find the Quack Attack show there. You can find Talk Timbers there. Tom Colker and Ross Smith were on just before uh, I popped the mic here from 7 to 8 p.m. Um, you can find uh, Brandon Joe's AC Coleman. They do their Ducks show on Tuesday nights. Ducks Hardwood. You can find that there. So much good stuff on 1029thegame.com. I always encourage listeners to go there to try to find content, too, because I run into people all the time. I was I ran into a buddy of mine at the grocery store the other day, and he was like, oh, man, where can I find your stuff? Because not everybody's on Twitter, turns out. Now, I'm on Twitter way too much. We all know that. But not everybody is on Twitter. Um, and so I recommend most people are on Facebook. So go to Facebook, follow 1029 The Game, or just go online at 1029 The Game. Download the 1029 The Game app on your phone. That's what my mom does. My mom listens to me, probably listening right now. What's up, mom? Um, and, you know, you can stream the show live with your with the app on your smartphone. So I encourage everybody to do that. But... All that's to say, Matt Prima, really good stuff right there. We appreciate his time. It'll be a bit of an abbreviated segment coming up here because um, we went a little bit long with Matt. But, um, you know, and we got some tape from Dana Altman. We'll be playing that in the final segment as well. Dana Altman spoke at practice today. But I also wanted to take a quick look around the rest of the Pac-12, including action that's going on tonight. And then Randolph into the equation as well. Ayton on the feed and give the assist to Acox. Another slam for DeAndre Ayton. You know, you're not going to find many seven foot one, two hundred forty pounders in the uh, in the Pac-12, especially not as freshmen. But DeAndre Ayton fits the bill and then some. Um, you know, we mentioned just the surprise of of who's at the top of the Pac-12 standings right now, and Stanford is one of those teams near the top at four and one in conference play, and they possess a little bit of a, a front court strength that. You know that can that could be damaging to a lot of other teams in the conference. Oregon, uh, among those teams, with without a strong front court presence, without a Boucher, without a Bell type, Mikhail McIntosh probably their their strongest inside presence. I mean, I would say Kenny Wooten. The problem is Kenny Wooten gets in foul trouble every game, so it's hard to see him you know making a sustained impact on the floor. You should have heard Dan Allman's comments on Tip Off Tuesday last night with how much uh, Kenny Wooten got in foul trouble. Well, this. You know, other games that he's been in foul trouble is because he was trying to protect the rim so much. But this this wasn't one of those games. You know, he, he just got in foul trouble. Um, he wasn't ready to play. You know, he's, he wasn't sprinting the floor. So, um, you know, he's just going to... I'm going to have to get more involved. I'm going to get more in tune with, with what's going on. But uh, he, he struggled this weekend just uh, getting in the flow of the game. I've always thought foul trouble was kind of a lucky, unlucky type of thing. You know, it depends on the flow of the game. It depends on the guy that you're guarding. depends on how the refs are calling the game. But that was interesting comments from Dana Altman saying that foul trouble in that case with Kenny Wooten was he wasn't ready to play. You know, and there you get a little bit lazy. You get a little bit undisciplined when you're not mentally and physically prepared and focused, and that's going to happen with freshmen from time to time. And it resulted in a uh, a tough trip to the desert for Kenny Wooten, and really for all the freshmen for Oregon. But thankfully, it was the upperclassmen that stood up, including Peyton Pritchard and Elijah Brown, to help him get that ASU win and compete down the stretch with Arizona. Thursday, it's going to see some interesting action. In Boulder, Washington State meets Colorado. Colorado's an eight-point favorite. I like the buffs there. In Salt Lake, UW and Utah will meet. 
It's always a tough place to play in the Huntsman Center. Utah's favored by seven and a half. Got to like the Utes there. In Corvallis, you've got UCLA and Oregon State. And talk about father-son connections. Ben Bulch of the L.A. Times covers UCLA football and basketball, and he had a nice piece this afternoon on the father-son connections that will be on display in Corvallis tomorrow because Beaver fans know, obviously, Wayne Tinkle, Trace Tinkle, head coach, best player. And then you've got uh, assistant coach Steve Thompson and then best two guards, Stevie Thompson Jr. Two father-son combinations, and you look across tomorrow night, it's going to be Steve Alford, Bryce Alford, who's been there forever. So that's going to be a lot of fun with the uh, with the father son. It's all in the family. And UCLA is a two point road favorite, but I'm going to pick Oregon State to get the upset in that game. I just like the way that they they play, and especially at home. Uh, Saturday, Arizona and Stanford. You know, Matt Preem thinks that Stanford's got a chance to pull the upset there. I am going to go with Arizona though. Uh, UW and Colorado as they make the tail end of that trip do the Huskies. USC will go to Corvallis to face Oregon State. UCLA and Oregon. 7-15 Saturday night on ESPN. Dave Pash, Bill Walton will have that call. And then Arizona State and Cal. 7-30 Saturday on the Pac-12 Network from Haas Pavilion. That'll be fun too. Alright, we'll go away, come back. Final segment of the Quack Attack here on 1029 The Game is coming up next. We'll hear a couple cuts from Dana Altman and also do our key matchups. That benchmark is coming up on the other side of this timeout. This is the Quack Attack with Judah Newby on the game. Which matchup will be critical for the Ducks' success? Judah Newby breaks down the key matchup. Brought to you by Oregon College Savings Plan. Imagine the possibilities. Point guards, point guards, point guards. They're so important in college basketball. Do you have a guy that you can rely on to run your offense and to work hard both ends of the floor and the Ducks do have that in sophomore Peyton Pritchard and that's going to be our key matchup tomorrow night when uh, the Ducks face USC Jordan McLaughlin Matt Preem of 24-7 Sports brought it up Jordan McLaughlin's been a duck killer he just has the dude bowls out and he's one of the better senior guards in the uh, country and certainly in the conference as well um, and the Pritchard-McLaughlin matchup is something I'm going to be looking forward to watching tomorrow. So that's going to be the key matchup for the Ducks. If Pritchard wins that matchup as he did in the ASU game, as he did in the Arizona game, the Ducks will not only have a chance, but they should be able to get their 15th win in a row over USC. I'm going to pick Oregon to go 2-0 and this week. I'm going to buy in to the narrative that this is a turnaround week for them. Um, excited for that UCLA game, too. I'm going to try to go down there to Matthew Knight and watch that in person as well. All right. That wraps it up for us on the Quack Attack here on 1029-750 The Game. Big thanks to Chris Partee, to Matt Prem 24-7 Sports. Awesome talking duck hoops as always. I'm Judah Newby. I'll be back with you a week from tonight for more Quack Attack as uh, we'll recap the home games with the Bruins and Trojans and look ahead again to Oregon and Oregon State. Mmm, slow jams on the way out on a Wednesday night. Peace, y'all. We'll see you next week. You can follow us on Twitter at 1029thegame and at Chudanubi. Have a good night.